This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're awfully glad you could join us again today. Well, today we'll be discussing a very timely topic concerning the use of structured settlements in cases involving minors, especially in the state of Florida. After a Florida judge ruled that structured settlements were not permissible with minors due to his interpretation of the law, Happily, an appeals court recently reversed that decision. And today we have a special guest who's going to help us uh, delve through that entire topic. Before we introduce him, though, let me introduce my co-host from our Ringler Orlando office, and it's Kathleen Danielle. Kathy has been a settlement annuity specialist with the Ringler office in Orlando since 2004. She attends mediations and settlement conferences maintains client relationships, routinely conducts seminars focusing on structured settlements and their application within the Florida environment. Well, Kathy, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. I'm awfully glad you could join us here as my co-host. I am as well. And uh, I I imagine it's pretty warm down there. Yes, it is. Very warm and humid. Our normal summers. Good. I'll stay up here in the the Northeast, (laughs) if you don't mind. (laughs) Well, let me introduce our special guest today. Our special guest is attorney Samuel King from the law firm of Deliker, Wilson, King, McKenna, Rufier, and Sos in Orlando, Florida. Attorney King is a well-known trial lawyer in Florida whose practice concentrates on personal injury, medical malpractice, defective products, and other mass tort matters. In 2010, the American Bar Association recognized Attorney King with the Pursuit of Justice Award which recognizes lawyers and judges who've shown outstanding merit and who excel in providing access to justice for all. That's quite quite an accomplishment there, uh, Sam, and quite an honor. Uh, Welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, Sam, the case we're talking about today involves uh, the Hancock family uh, down there in Florida, uh, Mother Tracy and the daughter Marissa, who was a minor, uh, I know Marissa was injured in a personal injury uh, case, filed a lawsuit. That lawsuit was eventually settled, uh, and they went to the court to get the court approval process uh, accomplished. One of the elements of that settlement was a structured settlement, an annuity uh, that would be paying the uh, the young minor past her age of majority. And uh, my understanding is the judge... Uh, had some problem with that in the, in, the, in the course of trying to approve the case. Why don't you give us the background of the case? Tell us what the judge uh, uh, ruled, why he ruled the way he did, and, uh, and where you, th- you see things going. Sure. Larry, the, the facts, the underlying facts of the Hancock case are, are very, very common, uh, not only in Florida, but throughout the United States. We had a case where uh, a minor's mother was appointed by the court as the guardian of the minor's property, that is, as the guardian of the minor's settlement funds. And interesting, in this case, everybody agreed, the court, the mother, everyone involved in the case agreed, 
that it was in the best interest of the minor that the claim or the lawsuit be settled. Mm -hmm. In Florida, um, we have certain statutes that dictate and govern guardianship so as to protect minors and other incompetence, uh, assets, property, if you will, uh, with respect to court oversight. And that's exactly what happened in this case. And, and as I said, that's a very, very common scenario. Mm-hmm. What was very uncommon in this case is that the trial court, that is the underlying court that heard the actual lawsuit, the court agreed that it was in the best interest of the minor to settle the case, but did not approve of a very common, common thing when you have minor children's settlements, and that is the purchases of annuities whose payments pay out after the age of majority. Sure. In other words, the child gets no cash until age 18, and the child cannot control or get cash out early from the annuity once the child turned 18. And in this case, the trial court said I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to approve the guardianship's request or the guardian's request to structure this money out past the age of 18. Now, he didn't do it out of ill will or ill intent. When you read the case, it's pretty clear to me and and everyone else who's been involved in this, it, it, it was a matter of the trial court not thinking he had the legal authority to bind the assets of the child after the child reached the age of majority. So in other words, his interpretation of the law was that he had no legal authority or no jurisdiction, as they say, to bind or approve an annuity payout to this child. And in this case, it was an annuity payout that was going to go for some 27 years. Now, the significance of the written appeal case the Hancock appeal case, is that the appellate court said the trial judge was in error mm-hmm. and said that the trial judge erred in prohibiting the purchase of an annuity for a minor that pays out past the age of 18. And the okay. court went through in detail the guardianship statutes and ruled as a matter of law that under Florida law, a guardian does have the power and does have the ability to bind the assets to the purchase of an annuity that pays out after age 18. Well, that was a good background uh, uh, for all of us uh, as we listen to this interesting case. Uh, And I think at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to move on and delve into it a little more in detail so we can really pull out some of the pieces and and talk about them. Right. Sam, was it the trial court was concerned that after Marissa turned 18 years old that the money would be available to her as opposed to her mother? Um, Well, maybe indirectly. He Mm -hmm. basically cited a particular statute in the guardianship statutes that says at the termination of a guardianship, the funds will be delivered to the property of the ward who is entitled to it. So in other words, he is saying that under his interpretation, at age 18, the minor child gets the money. And he wanted the minor child under the law to get the money at age 18. That's certainly what I would call an old-fashioned approach. Uh, At least prior to structured settlements, most of these uh, minors' cases, money was poured into a uh, uh, some kind of a trust account or a a uh, court-held account where the money would come out at age 18 to the minor. 
who had not reached majority age. And uh, I think all of us understand what happens when you get a lot of <laughs> a lot of money in the hands of an 18-year-old. Uh, that's why structured settlements became such a, a wonderful alternative to that. Uh, and it looks like the the essence or the or the, the the actual letter of the law never really contemplated maybe what the judge was trying to apply it to. What, what was your, what you, what's your thought about that? That's I think you're exactly right. But I will tell you, Larry, in practice, and I've been practicing plaintiff's personal injury work since 1985 here in the state of Florida. No trial court has ever denied my request to purchase an annuity for a minor child through a personal injury settlement where the payments extend past the age of 18. This is the only trial judge who I'd ever heard of disallowing that. Right. But you're exactly right. If you do not purchase an annuity, much like Tracy Hancock was trying to do for her child, you would be left with having to have the funds stuck into an agar- a guardianship account, which is very, very expensive, number one. You have mm-hmm. to hire a separate lawyer. You have to do accountings to the court every year. And then at age 18, poof, the money goes to the to the minor. And we know 18-year-olds are not necessarily adults. No question about it. So so obviously, when this initial decision came down, there, there was an appeal uh, filed. Who, who, who pushed that appeal? Was it the mother? The Had guardian? to have been. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Had to have been. Okay. And the basis of the appeal argument was what? That the Florida law did, in fact, provide authority for a guardian such as Ms. Hancock to purchase an annuity that paid out after the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And that the court had erred in disallowing this. Do you think uh, any of the thinking of the lower court had to do with a lot of these commercials that you see on TV where where, where annuitants are being told to cash them out. It's my money. I want it now. And did he ever think that uh, even in a structured context, the, uh, the, the minor may somehow get to that money anyway, and it, and it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out what, what the, uh, the issue was with the, with the trial judge in terms of interpreting the law the way he did. Well, explicitly, that's not addressed. Mm-hmm. Implicitly, could it have been a concern by the trial judge, absolutely, because here in Florida, we have a growing trend of this very thing from happening. But in the opinion per se, it was li- literally a legal rationale that he was rendering, which was, I do not have the legal authority to do this. It was not a mean-spirited order by any by any means. I think he was simply saying, I cannot do this as I interpret the Florida statutes. Well, talk a little bit about the... Uh... The process of appeal when it went on appeal, uh, have you been able to read the the appellate decision and, and kind of get a feeling for what the the judges were, were saying about what the trial judge did? Uh, yes, basically, from a highly legal perspective, they were saying that the law and the statutes that the trial judge had relied upon in rendering his uh, order was erroneous. That is, he had misinterpreted the law and that he erred. That is, he made a mistake relying on the law and the statute as he did. And the decision on the appeal, was that, was that a, a remand to, to somehow relook at this or, or did, was it a complete reversal of, of that decision? How, how did they rule in that appeal? Yes, it was both. It was a reversal. Mm-hmm. So they reversed his order and remanded it back to him 
presumably now saying to the judge, you now have this authority to approve and allow the structure to be purchased. Okay, interesting. Is this a common scenario in your experience in personal injury cases involving a minor? It's very much common that we structure or recommend guardians to purchase annuities or structures that pay out after the age of 18. It is very uncommon that a trial court ever disallows this. Well, there's no question that uh, this judge seemed to be taking it, uh, an, having an interpretation rather of this of this current law that's so different from what, what anyone else had done. That uh, did you ever get an idea from the judge as to what triggered that? And, and uh, obviously, he's also aware that his his compatriots in, on the bench have not taken that position. What? What what drove him to that in your opinion? I think I think he was interpreting the statutes very very strictly or conservatively to say that in his interpretation of the law and that's his job mm-hmm. that he literally had no legal authority or legal jurisdiction to accommodate the guardian's request. It was not a matter of him not trusting the guardian it was not a matter of him thinking the guardian was trying to get her hands on the money. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything underlying the opinion other than a strict legal interpretation by the court. Yeah, I was wondering whether or not in this economic climate we live in right now with uh, you know so much, uh, so much of a downturn in the economic uh, world and people concerned about the, the, the stability and, and the solvency of, of certain financial institutions, whether he – he had any concerns uh, about annuities in general and may- maybe perhaps was thinking that he needed to be extra careful in-, in light of the economic times. He may have been, Larry, but that was not discussed in the order or the legal opinion. It's kind of interesting. We're trying to get inside the head of the judge. <laughs> and that's well, not, in all honesty, if you, if you were to have me guess, Larry, mm-hmm. to get inside the head of the judge, I think the judge probably was glad his order was appealed. Because I think he probably was seeking clarity from a higher court to tell him yes or no. Interesting. He would probably applaud the decision. Well, because in essence, tacitly, what he's saying is that all other judges who who approved these kinds of structures for minors over the years were, in his opinion, uh, go, you know, doing that without clarity on on what the law should have been. Right. I mean, he was. He's basically saying that everyone else was. Uh, you know, going by the seat of their pants on this on this issue. Isn't that true? Right. He was, without saying it, he was taking the position legally nobody had jurisdiction right. to do what we've been doing here in Florida for years and years and years and years. And I'm a strong proponent of it. Terrific. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now, and we'll come right back in a minute with Attorney Sam King and my very special co-host, Kathy Danielle, and we'll be talking more about this very interesting case. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. 
Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over 23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast on LegalTalkNetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email. Or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. My co-host today, Kathy Danielle, and I are joined by our special guest, Attorney Sam King, experienced trial attorney from Orlando, Florida. Sam, we're talking about uh, a case in Florida where the Fifth District Court of Appeals, uh, essentially in this reversal of a lower court finding, has uh, really talked about the powers and duties of a guardian uh, and how the use of structured settlements for minors uh, are now permissible under the what the appeals court has uh, has determined. What exactly are the the duties and powers of a guardian that uh, they that they were dealing with? That's an excellent question. There are three things that are imposed upon a gar- guardian under Florida law. Number one, protect the property. Two, mm-hmm. preserve the property. And three, invest it prudently. Those are the three powers that are given by trial courts to guardians in scenarios like the Hancock matter. And so I would assume that in in many cases, uh, if the guardian appears to the judge to be someone of uh, uh, you know character issues around that individual or suspicions that they may have about their intentions, uh, they could disqualify that individual from guardianship. Absolutely. And in terms of, uh, you said, protecting the money, where that money flows, uh, where that money resides is also an important factor that the judge will look at. I'm sure that the, the guardian talks about where they're going to, what they're going to do with the money, and the judge then determines whether there is uh, any reason for them to doubt whether that's protected in that fashion, right? Correct. That's the judge's responsibility to make the determination. And as for the uh, third leg of the guardianship uh, rule, investing the money prudently, uh, Sam, what do you think the the judge has to deal with in that regard? There are statutes that that govern that. Um, 
what I was going to comment about in terms of the, the third power or obligation, which is investing funds prudently. My experience has been if you do it the old, let's call it the old fashioned way, mm-hmm. that is create a guardianship more times than not, in my experience, the money sits literally in a CD of some sort, which, as you know, has very little growth opportunity for the ward of the miner. Right. And also the, the interest that it's earning is taxable to the miner, whereas the annuity would be non-taxable income uh, in terms of any interest. So um, I, I think that's what was so interesting about this case, uh, where the structured settlement is such a valuable tool, and yet it seemed the, the original judge seemed to be hamstrung by by the interpretation that he made of that of that law. Right. Yeah, and there and there's two things that I see coming out of that case, Larry, and I think I think Kathleen would would agree with this. The two important positives that come out of this case is this opinion from the appellate court should give all trial courts comfort and approving annuities that pay after the age of 18 to minors. The second is this opinion should give proper motivation to guardians to structure minors' settlement proceeds. Right, and the the appeals court ruling was unanimous in favor of the mother's appeal approving the settlement. Do you believe that the fact that it was unanimous sends a strong message? Yes. There's no case in the state of Florida that runs contrary to this opinion, um, but yes, by all means, that's what I'm saying. I think you look at this opinion, and if I'm a trial judge, it would give me absolute comfort to know that I have the jurisdiction or the power to approve an annuity like Ms. Hancock was trying to use for her daughter's or child's best interest. Well, that brings us to uh, kind of what I was going to be talking about, which is what the impact of this ruling was going to be on pending cases. And I think I'm hearing you say that uh, it's going to free up uh, judges hearing these other cases to uh, uh, approve these structured settlements as as a viable way to go in, in in settling these matters. It certainly should. When you read the opinion, mm-hmm. there is no there is no um, ambiguity mm-hmm. in terms of what the appellate court was saying. And I think the way you interpret this case is it gives trial courts absolute comfort and authority to do what Miss Hancock and so many other parents would do for their children who've been injured uh, and have these uh, settlements coming to them while they're merely children. No question about it. And I I think that uh, your experience and and a lot of other folks that are listening to this uh, show, where minors have received structured settlements and the money has been unable to be lumped up, lumped together and and obtained too quickly, has provided for a very significant future life for a lot of these uh, minors once they reach majority. And I think all of us are, are happy that the appeals court took made the decision that it did. And uh, we look forward to a lot of structured settlements being done in minors' cases in the state of Florida. Sam, do you have any other uh, final thoughts you want to tell us about this case and the impact you think it might have? Well, I think Ms. Hancock's heart was in the right place, Larry. Mm-hmm. Because what she was trying to do is protect her child. Right. And annuities such as this only give parents more ammunition to further protect their children. No question about it. Kathy, what, what's, you're down in Florida. You're dealing with a lot of these cases. Uh, what, was the Im- what was the impact of that original uh, 
judge's decision on, uh, on, on the structured settlement community down there in, in Florida. It almost must have had a chilling effect. Absolutely. It's been frustrating over the years, you know, that we've had cases where we know it's going to that specific judge. Um, I know professionals we work with, they also show frustration. So when this ruling came, um, you know, it was, we, we kind of all knew it was going to come. Um, and again, I agree with Sam. I think that it was his interpretation of the law. And um, we hope to move forward and, you know, do the right thing for these minors. Well, it sounds good to me. And I, uh, I applaud the appeals court for sure in clarifying the law. And uh, we look forward to a lot more structured settlements being done for the young people down there in, in Florida. Well, uh, Sam, if somebody wanted to contact you, how would they do that? Sure. Um, they can call me directly here at my office at 407-244-3000, mm-hmm. or my email is sking at dwklaw.com. Terrific. And uh, Kathy, how about yourself? To reach our office, they can call 407-478-6622, and my email address is kdanielli at ringlerassociates.com. Well, and all of you out there can know that all Ringler Associates can be contacted at ringlerassociates.com. By the way, we just uh, revamped that entire website. It's terrific. I I encourage you to take a look at it. It And of course, it does does look great, and everyone's picture is on there, and uh, it looks terrific. In the meantime, uh, all Ringler radio shows can also be uh, visited on ringlerassociates.com, or you can also hear them on legaltalknetwork.com. And... uh, you can download them. You can uh, listen on an MP3. You can put them into your iPod and walk around the park and listen in, uh, while you're while you're having lunch. So I think it's a gr- a great idea. <laughs> enjoy uh, enjoy it when you do listen to it. And uh, again, Sam and Kathy, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. And now the rest of you out there, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.